Aloha, ladies and gentlemen. This is Q, the abolitionist, and you're listening to episode 43 of Unshackled Liberty. On this show, we had non-voting Nick Irwin on to talk about the ethics of non-voting. Uh, Crypto Gumbo was not able to join us again uh, as he was getting ready for his move to Florida. Uh, that's not news for you guys who, who've been listening. So he's leaving Hawaii and he's uh, reestablishing his life uh, in Florida. Uh, so we wish him well. And he will be back on the show, of course. He's not gone. He's just taking a break. Um, so Nick and I had a conversation without Gumbo about uh, about voting and or about not voting and the importance of that. Great conversation. Great dude. Really enjoyed the chat, the chat and sure hope to have him back on uh, again in the future, especially when Gumbo is able to join us again. Before we dive in, though, to the episode, I wanted to shout out Dave Myers. Uh, Dave Myers is our newest patron through patreon.com slash unshackled liberty. Uh, so thanks a lot, buddy, for your contribution. Thanks again for your listenership. Dave is going to get the link to our Patreon. Nope, he's going to get the link to our Discord channel. Uh, and in that Discord chat, we'll be able to uh, work with us developing show content and ideas and uh, just the banter back and forth in the, in the uh, Discord channel as well. So thanks again, Dave, for your, for your contributions, man. And uh, we love you. We, we love your listenership. So without further uh, delay, ladies and gentlemen, episode 43. Well, I am having a conversation with non-voting Nick Irwin, and uh, we just, you know, this is a conversation, Nick, we wanted to have um, much earlier. In fact, I wanted to try and press this out before the election, but, you know, things, life happened. You know, I had, mm-hmm. I had car trouble, I had mm-hmm. a flat tire, and we had to cancel, and so now we're playing catch-up. But uh, it might be good to have this conversation now in light of everything that's going on with the election. What do you think? Sure. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's okay. uh, more evidence that voting is a sham. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah, that's so I was, I was a little disappointed at first, but then after watching how everything started to unfold and is continuing to unfold, it's like, well, as if we needed any more evidence, right? So, um, so, can, so did you want to start out and, and uh, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself? And, and I think uh, now you're, you're, a, you're obviously a, 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 a very successful podcast host yourself. You do a, Beyond the Ballot is the name of your podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know about very successful, but thank you. <laughs> well, we all are, man, right? Where this is, if you're, if you're, if you're doing this, it's successful, right? If you, if you've decided to continue doing it in spite of, you sure. know, you know I, don't, I don't know what your, I don't know what your experience is like. I, I, every week I have to remind my wife that this is a hobby and uh, I, you know, and she has to remind me that yeah. it's, it's just a hobby. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so, but, uh, what's right. your, what's your, ba- yeah. what's your background? What brought you to your position currently, uh, the, as you view voting, what brought you there? Well, I don't, I've never voted in okay. a presidential election. Um, I don't think I've ever voted on, on anything. I, uh, what kind of brought me to anarchy was just being a rebellious little growing up and not recognizing authority and uh kind of just questioning it more than anything because i I could understand when people had you know my best interests in mind as far as parents and teachers and whatnot but 
I never really got the idea of people telling other people what to do without good reason. Right. You know, the whole leader versus ruler kind of thing. And then um, uh, high school and right out of high school, I played in a punk band that toured around Arizona and some other states. And it, in your, when you're in the punk community, you see a lot of the anarchist uh, symbols and imagery and whatnot. And that got me interested in anarchy. Um, not as far as, you know, reading anarchist literature and whatnot, but, you know, f the man, f the government, all that stuff. And so, um, I ended up, um, oh shoot, you might have to bleep that out. I forgot. I'm sorry. Uh, I was going to say man, something. Screw the government. <laughs> I was going to say uh, something as soon as you're done, but um, yeah, I totally forgot. <laughs> that's all right, but that's all right. Uh, I'll try not to. Um, but yeah, so after that, it was, I didn't find a lot of people that were interested in anarchy and I didn't know too much about it. And I kind of started reaching out on social media and I started uh, finding pages like uh, Agorist Ball and um, Statism is Slavery and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And that directed me towards more like-minded people and towards uh, a lot of the literature out there. I was absolutely hooked uh, as soon as I read Konkin. And that kind of brought me to here and just uh, reading more about how I was feeling about anarchy solidified my position. And yeah, um, yeah I'm sure we'll get into examples of why I think voting is useless ultimately as we talk, but that's uh, just solidified that for me. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it's, it's, um, I think that's, a, that's, well, that's interesting that, that whole, that whole process that you went through. And it's kind of neat that you that you never have been actively involved in in uh, in, in voting politics. That is neat. Um, I come from like uh, the kind of the different side of it. I, I was for the better part of my adult life, I was a re registered Republican, very active, right? And um, you know, family grew up that way, right? And and uh, my parents are voters, and I'm I'm you know I was a voter, and it wasn't until until the 2016 election that I realized that perhaps maybe I needed to get away from the Republican Party altogether for obvious reasons, you know, mm. and uh, you know became a partisan libertarian, right? And then uh, you know after voting for Gary Johnson, just kind of took a step back and started paying attention to some other. You know, they say that six months, right? Six months from from uh, libertarian to anarchist, right? you know? Yep. So, so, so mine, mine was probably about, about that time, six to nine months. And then, and then I just realized that it's all kind of a, it's kind of a scam, you know, it just is. And uh, it seems to me mm -hmm. that it is a, a strange, um, how uh, what will we call that? Like, uh, like a, like a ceremony, like a cer ceremonial kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know if I'm looking for the, what, what word am I looking for? Sure. But yeah. You know, like, uh, I don't know, a strange, a strange practice of a strange religion. And, uh, you know, obviously that's not my original thought. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So no, that's interesting. Um, what, what are your views on it being violence? Have you heard that before? And I'm sure you have, I mean, you're, so there's a, there's a school of thought out there where vo voting is considered violent. And, uh, I wanted to know your position on that. Hmm. Yeah, I had an interesting opportunity to address that and some of the other things that people say uh, voting is the other day. Someone asked a question, and so I was able to kind of consolidate my thoughts on that because yeah. I don't really care what you call it, whether it's violence, useless, um, consent, whatever you want to call right. it, as long as you're thinking about why you don't want to do it. Um, I land on that voting is useless. Mm. Um, but as far as voting being violence, 
Um, I don't think it's violence because the act itself in itself is not violent. And the way that people justify saying that voting is violence is that you're asking other people to perpetuate violence based on what your want is, what you're voting for, Mm. um, what legislation you want. And it's like, yeah, you know, you're asking them to, but you're not perpetuating any violence. And that kind of comes back into voting being consent which comes back to the ritualistic element of it. Um, And I don't think it's necessarily consent either. I think that's pretty shaky. I get the argument, you know, if you vote, you can't complain, not if you don't vote, you can't complain because if you don't vote, you're staying out of that process. You don't want to play the game. You don't want to accept the results. I've heard that Um, quite a bit also. Voting is consent, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't mean to cut you yeah. off there. I know we got a little but bit. No, of I don't think it's violence straight up. No, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I I've heard that too. Uh, people say you know if you're voting you, or if you don't vote you can't complain, um, which just seems silly to me. I mean, if you if like like you you know my perspective mm-hmm. is I mean you can do whatever you want, right? I mean you can complain, not complain whether you vote or not, mm-hmm. but but from a rationale perspective, I mean uh, if you do vote, I feel like you do have less grounds to complain because you have actively participated in the system. You've actively uh, consented to uh, whatever mm-hmm. the, whatever the outcome of that election is. And uh, just by your participation, personally, I choose as a, as a result of, of just observing everything in the last, you know, a few years anyway, um, I guess the culmination of my life, but ultimately, uh, you know, it, you know, it's come to a climax in the last few years. Um, I just don't consent. Right. You know, I just, I just don't consent to be governed anymore, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, want to kind of do, do what mm-hmm. I can to pull back. And, and it's always interesting when people, I don't know, from my, from my point of view, when people talk about an election and we, and we look at the, the amount of, I guess the numbers are still out for the 2020 presidential election, but in the, the 2016 presidential election, the way it breaks down is, you know, both Trump and Hillary ended up with about 30 something percent of the vote, you know, and, or I guess they're, you know, and then, and then, so just by that math alone, those of us who abstained or those who did abstain, I guess I, I didn't abstain then I, I voted for Gary Johnson, but those who did abstain from voting actually outnumbered, you know, the, the winner, mm-hmm. you know, um, and wondering Yep. And this is all theoretical because how do you, how do you, how do you, uh, you know, bring all this together, I guess, without, without the state being involved anyway. But if they actively voted those who abstained from voting um, as a principle, and then, you know, the, the perspective is we're lazy, right? You know, the, 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 the those who, per, those who participate mm-hmm. in voting will look at guys like us that, yeah. who don't and will assume that we are lazy. And uh, mm-hmm. when in actuality, it's a principle. You know, so if so, if the if if you if you take those who voted or didn't vote as a principle, and you apply that apply that vote of none of the above to that to that position, uh, who wins, right? Usually, the none of the above none of the above vote wins. You know, sure, sure, yeah. That's uh that's something that people say a lot is you know if you're you're not doing your civic duty, you're not doing anything. And that's something I try to, to get people to understand is that not voting isn't the only thing that's happening. If you're not voting, you're not wasting your time getting into those debates, going, literally taking hours of your life off of whatever else you're doing and going and standing in line voting. 
yeah. absentee ballot, ballot, whatever. It's not yeah. just not voting. You're doing other things in your life to make yourself and your community more free. Yeah. And I, w- I would almost be on board with the people saying that those who aren't vote are lazy. If I knew anybody who just lived a completely status life t- lifestyle and then just didn't vote. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm just not going to do it. Well, yeah, then you're just a lazy statist. But if you're not voting and you're building the second realm, you know, you're engaging in agorism, you're homesteading, doing whatever you want to live your life outside of, you know, status constructs, then you're putting in more work in by far than people who go check a box every four years or whenever another initiative comes up. Yeah, I think it's just, I think you're right. I think it's just kind of a... Um, one one piece, of course, to the to the overall uh, you know person, right, is trying to find a way to live life outside of um, the state. Either you know, obviously through counter economics, like you're talking about with, with agorism, or um, or just or just trying to exist without without influence on the government, you know, or without influence from the government or the or the uh, you know the mm-hmm. our, our our status neighbors. And that's getting harder and harder to do. You're out sure. there. You're pretty rural, right, in in eastern Washington, yep. and and uh, those of us living in suburbia, man, it's darn near impossible. But uh, you know, you do you do the little things that you can, you know. Um, so, yeah. how what would you what would you say? And I'm sure you have these conversations often. Um, I mean, I I'm like the only guy in my family uh, that I know who who um, out of principle doesn't engage, you know. And that's relatively new, right? I told you that. Um, what would you say mm-hmm. to somebody who is adamant that, that voting is, is, is necessary and must be done? What would your response to that be? Uh, one of the things that I like to bring up, I have a pretty specific example I use is up here in Eastern Washington. Um, you know, most of the tax money and whatnot from Eastern Washington ends up going over to Western Washington to fund mm-hmm. their roads, you know, my roads yeah. and whatnot. And people don't yeah. like that a lot. Um, but if you look at the history of the income tax, and it's a great example if you lay the groundwork with where the money actually moves with voting. If you look at the history of the income tax in Washington state, I believe it's 85 years the people have voted against an income tax. And so right there, they'll say, well, there you go. You know, people are getting what they want and we're not paying an income tax because people are voting. I'm like, okay, now break that down and look at everything else you pay taxes on and how much higher it is than the places that do have an income tax. The things that you pay taxes on that other places don't like just to go out and hike or go out on a lake or anything like that out here in Washington, you have to buy a discovery pass or you're looking at uh, some sort of ticket or fine from park rangers and whatnot. Um, and so they've hid the revenue that they think they're missing out on from an income tax in hundreds of other taxes and other ways of getting that revenue. And then just recently came out and said, you know, well, it's been voted down for so long, this income tax proposal that I think the next time it comes up, we're just going to do a closed door meeting of the Washington state legislatures, uh, overnight too. It was like a two or 3 AM meeting they wanted to do, and we'll just vote amongst ourselves on it and not give the vote to the people. And so the overall point in this conversation that I have had with people is you can vote as much as you want, but as soon as the state decides they don't agree, they want what you're voting, 
Well, I think, uh, I think we lost the, lost you in the last part of that. You said, uh, um, as soon as, oh, okay. the, yeah, yeah. As soon as the state, um, you're talking about, they, they were going into a, to a, a closed door session around two o'clock in the morning and then kind of everything started getting choppy after that. Mm-hmm. Can, can you restate what you were saying there? Sure. Yeah. So they, uh, what they decided was that they would uh, not have even give the people an opportunity to vote yeah. on the income tax initiative and have a closed door meeting. And so the whole point of the conversation, which I have had before is that you can vote against it for as long as you want and win or lose. If the state decides they don't like the outcome or they want the thing that you're voting against or don't want the thing to happen that you're voting for, eventually they're going to do do it anyways, one yep. way or another, illegal yep. or not, legal the, or not, doesn't the, matter. The house, the house always wins, you know. <laughs> it's it's kind of mm-hmm. it's kind of that premise, right? Exactly. The house, the house always yep. wins. You go you go to Vegas or Reno or whatever, and you might get over a little bit, but at the end of the day, very few people walk out of there a winner. And uh, when you're dealing with the state, it's yeah. it's a very similar um, situation, I think. You well. Know? And one of the quickest uh, one-liners for people that think voting, especially for a president, is uh, so important. I steal for I unashamedly steal it from Bill Burr. He says, "What is he gonna? What, if Trump wins, what is he gonna do? Come make me a sandwich? He's not putting food on my table. He's just sitting there, thousands <laughs> of miles away, and not doing anything." I've literally asked people who think it's really important. Was he? Is he gonna come put groceries in your fridge? Is he gonna come make you a sandwich? Gas in your car? Is he gonna do any of that? No, you're doing that. It really doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And and you know, and the other thing is 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 from from a from a guy who's got this uh, this latent. I don't know. I, I I still respect a lot of the things that the founders did. Obviously, um, as I as I get farther into my voluntarism, I, I tend to lean more and more anti-federalist, of course. Um, but uh, you know, going back to the Constitution, and I'm not a constitutionalist. I'm not. What I'm saying this is, I say this more as a, as a reference. Um, people who vote in the presidential election and then, and then really lose it over, you know, who the president is going to be and really just get all in on it seem to forget that sure. it's, it's not supposed to, you know, the president's not supposed to have that kind of authority anyway. And I mean, we're getting a little bit off topic as, as far as voting goes, but, but these are people who do not even uh, in general terms understand the principles of their own constitution. Right. And, and the principles of the co-equal branches of government right. and how and how the, the power is supposed to be split evenly between three branches of government and has all now the, that's basically been abdicated to the executive branch. And and, uh, you know, the, there, there's a lack of understanding that that vote in my mind, voting necessarily. Uh, people will say it's a right. It's a it's a duty. It's a civic duty. It's a it's something you're supposed to be doing. And I would say probably more than anything else, if you are going to vote and you know, we're talking two guys that don't, I wish Gumbo was here because Gumbo's a voter. We could, we would have been able to point and laugh at him a little bit, but uh, you know, um, <laughs> but, but so, you know, you, you, I think more than voting being a civic duty is understanding how, how the system is supposed to work. If you're, if you're um, participating in it willingly, right. How it is supposed to work and how it is broken currently. Sure. And, and instead of just voting because you feel like you have to, because you feel obligated to, you know, causing you to cast an ignorant vote, we'll say, um, 
instead of if you're going to vote, vote defensively, vote back to the principles that you say you believe in as a as a practicing member of a of a you know of a of a uh, uh, consenting body of governed people. Am I am I saying that? Like, it's like it's being all chopped up in my mm. head. But but uh, I don't know I, yeah. if, if people understand uh, a lot of ways why. Um, you know, obviously, vote. You're you're coming from the position. We're talking a little bit about voting, and and uh, you know, I don't know if that if I completely derailed everything, but it's as if they don't understand no, why they're voting. They vote because they have to, and they don't understand the principles that they're voting for. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, absolutely. They get they get all riled up because it's really it's an entertainment spectacle at this point, and it's highly emotionally fueled. Whether it's the vote for the presidency or vote for say legalizing cannabis or anything else like that. And you, you hit a buzzword for me when you, when you said voting in defense, because I don't think that exists. Okay, um, good. I, I constantly uh, post, post this article um, that I wrote for uh, the counter economist. I don't think it's a magazine anymore, but I wrote it for an easing called the counter economist. Uh, and I, I, <laughs> I like to make uh, defensive voters within the libertarian and anarchist circles mad. So I titled it um, why you're wrong about Spooner and defensive voting, but uh, people like to cite Spooner and defensive voting um, saying that you're kind of caught there. You know, there it's a man with a gun or you're forced to go onto a battlefield is what Spooner said. And so you have the option to kill or die and it's a false dichotomy. Um, you can exist outside of that whole thing. You apply the same thing that you apply to the idea of voting for a president to voting for any other initiative. And if you actually look at why things like back again to cannabis legalization or any of the drug legalization that's passed um, recently is passing is not because people are voting on it. People have voted on this stuff for decades and it didn't pass. It's a cultural change. It's a cultural shift. You have to shift the culture. Um, and one of the most blatant examples of that is Hillary Clinton flip-flopping on the gay marriage issue. Oh, yeah. That's... Uh, once it became culturally acceptable, she embraced it. Uh, before that, staunchly against it. Uh, people who got uh, cannabis legalized in the places where it's legal now uh, for years uh, had marches and gets, get-togethers and, and smoked weed illegally in public and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's a whole lot more... <clears throat> excuse me, than just voting for it or even voting defensively. It's changing an entire culture, changing your lifestyle and changing the acceptance of it. That was so wild for me when I was in high school. Um, you know, I was in high school in the nineties. Right. And then uh, we had, I mean, I didn't participate in it, um, but there, there was like sit-ins on the Capitol lawn, uh, you know, in Sacramento is where I'm from. Right. So the state capital of California on the Capitol lawn where people mm-hmm. were, um, just sitting in and just and just doing that, just smoking cannabis, and uh, and I remember thinking to myself, I mean, obviously, I didn't I didn't participate at all, um, and I wouldn't today either because I don't I don't do that. But I mean, like I uh, I remember thinking to myself, how are they not being? You know, this is, you know, I'm a kid, right? Still, you know, and uh, how are they not being arrested? How's this not happening? And they weren't. It was just happening, like on the lawn in the you know on you mm-hmm. know state property, like right there on the state capitol building lawn you know, front steps, like they're just smoking weed. And I don't even, I don't even, I mean, sure. you mentioned, you mentioned that and I go back to that in my head is like, that was so wild to me. Why that was, how that even happened. And, uh, mm-hmm. and now of course, and, and you're right, because 
there was already kind of cultural shift, you know, in the mid nineties, you know, and, and as I'm like 15, 16, 17 years old, whatever in high school and, and seeing this cultural shift and then going into, um, you know, I guess what, what are we 25 years later now? And, and, and California is like full recreational marijuana use and all this other stuff. But to see the difference is, is as far as I understand for California, yep. it's not really that it's not really legal. You know, I mean, it's not like legal, like, like you can go out and, 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 you know, plant whatever flower you want in your garden legal. You know what I mean? Like it's, you sure. gotta have the license and you gotta have the tax stamp and you gotta have all this other stuff and you have to have, you know, they gotta, you know, everything else. Um, as far as I understand, you know, you, if you're, if you're a, a non-licensed distributor, you're going to get pinched. And if you are, if you are uh, purchasing from yeah. a non-licensed distributor, you're going to get pinched. So really it was just another opportunity for the government to, to rake in some revenue is what it was, you know, uh, it's, it's not really, it's, le- it's not really legal. Example. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is, it is really legal because legalization is the perfect example mm. of the backfire of defensive voting. Because mm. people say, well, okay. I'm, I'm voting so that I won't get, okay, sure. So now you're not thrown in jail, but they're not releasing everybody. If you've ever looked at what it takes to get released from prison um, after these laws pass and they're supposed to grant was amnesty clemency clemency whatever yeah. they call it yeah. to be to nonviolent offenders it's taken months and years they're not getting out um like you said if you're distributing without a license so you're not paying the state for it if you're carrying uh, over an ounce or two depending on where you're at you're going to get popped for it you yep. have to re- register plants up to a certain amount and then you can't do it there's all these hoops you still have to jump through and like you said it's a massive revenue generator for the state it's, it's only growing the state. It's not defending you from the state. The next best option would be decriminalization, but the best option would be it being off the books completely. Yeah, not even mentioned. They're never going to allow yeah. that, especially through voting. Yeah. You're, it's like, yeah, you're just begging. You're begging for permission when you do that. You know, and it, and it takes the whole mm-hmm. consent of the governed concept and throws it right out the window. Because if, 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 you know, government was really based on the consent of the governed. You wouldn't have to vote on those things. It would just, they would just be, they would just be, and you wouldn't, there would be no, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a whole myth. It's all that. It's all that. Man, I really wish Gumbo was here because I'd love to point and laugh at him with you about that. But uh, <laughs> we can just point and laugh while he's not here yeah, and you can watch it later. I know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Gumbo. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, dude, I don't know what else to talk about. So uh, tell, tell me about you. What's going on? What, uh, tell, me, tell me about your, your podcast. Your, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I just had a pretty massive blow to the podcasting, uh, you know, social media from Facebook because previously before it was beyond the ballot, it was in me of the state stank pod stash. And just yeah. hearing that, I'm sure you can tell why I changed the name. But uh, that page had about 16,000 likes and follows it was fluctuating. They were taking chunks of it. And then the other day they unpublished it. So that's completely gone. And the previous to that, they had not let me merge it with the new uh, beyond the ballot page because of previous violations. So luckily it didn't delete both pages through a merge, but I would still post episodes and memes and get a lot of reach on there. And that just got taken out from under me. And I'm also on a, 30-day ban on my main so i can't even get into the beyond the ballot social media that's run through facebook 
so that's what I'm dealing with. Um, just running things from the sock account. And I'm really, I had, uh, Aaron and Kingsley from float on my show not long ago. And I'm really thinking about moving most of my, uh, content creation completely over to float. It seems like a really, really great place to be for content creators, especially if you can bring your audience over there. So I'm in a weird transitional phase with that stuff, but other than that, it's going well. Yeah, we're kind of having some good guests on good reach, good stuff. That's awesome. We're kind of in a transition too. we, uh, we, you know, we were on anchor and, um, and they decided that they mm. were going to not let us run ads anymore and really wouldn't tell us why. Mm. Um, and I don't know if it's a financial thing for them, you know, and you know, I mean, we're not making, I'm not making a lot of money on this. Like I don't, I don't have like a, like a huge reach. It's just more of like a hobby, like I was saying earlier. And uh, um, sure. But so we decided to start uh, self-hosting and it's so, a, you know, Jeremy, you know, Jeremiah Harding and he's, uh, he's helped us build our website yep. unshackledliberty.com and, and in the meantime, while we're trying to work all those bugs out, we moved everything over to Podbean. And so we're, we're, we're pushing everything through Podbean. And then as we build up our website. Um, so, yeah, I know what it's like to be in transition. Float. I've heard a lot about that. I need to check that out. Do they have, a, do they have like an app for your phone? I, uh, do you know yep, that? Yep, they have a beta app. Uh, oh, good. I think you go to float.app and you'll, you'll download it. Um, and this year is really... 2021 they said is the year that they're really going to implement a lot of this stuff but they've they put something in place which is really nice if you're looking to leave facebook is you can yeah. download your profile from facebook on the float and just seamless transition but oh, cool the cool thing one of the things i'm really excited about because i this th- my show is supported through patreon exclusively i've tried like um i don't know there was a crypto option that was like patreon and whatnot and it didn't work out. People don't like to pay in crypto, but float, you can do essentially the same kind of stuff as Patreon subscription service, but they don't take any fees from it. So you get a hundred percent of the revenue that people pay you, which is amazing. Well, that's cool, man. That's something to look into. So yeah, I'm always interested Mm -hmm. in, in these, uh, in these alternate social media sites and whatnot, because yeah, you know, you have these near monopoly things with Facebook and Twitter and, and the like, and uh, they just control a lot of the information that you see. So looking for places that you can oh, go yeah. where it's not so, so controlled, but also, I mean, let's be honest, like, you know, starting up of social media presence has got to be challenging when you're, when you're competing with, you know, Facebook oh, yeah. and Twitter and whatnot. And these guys are so powerful and there's so many people on there. And part of the experience is, is the, the vast amount of different kinds of interaction that you get um, with all of the people that are on. I wouldn't know how, how that would go with these, uh, you know, with these alternate um, social media sites. I think probably though, what, what you're right on the, what, you, what you're doing is good is, is uh, it's the content creators that got to get on there and bring their audience with them. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause if it's just, if it's just exactly. a guy, you know, just some yep. dude, you know, just some dude that goes and, and sets up a thing and isn't a content creator and nothing wrong with that at all. Like, you know, and, you know, I'm barely a content creator, barely. Right. So, but, uh, you know, some dude that goes on there and doesn't, and doesn't have a lot of, of a following, it's not like he's bringing people over with him to build the community. Right. right. But, but if you get these heavy hitters and maybe even some of these blue check marks on Twitter that could just kind of like, you know, bring some of those people over with them. Uh, that's not a, that's not, I'm not endorsing blue check marks necessarily, but like you get the idea these guys that have several thousand <laughs> followers, you know? So, yeah. 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 So, right on. Well, you know, 
places like uh, YouTube are really messing things up. Um, I can't, I don't know exactly what's going on because I, I declined to turn on the monetization through YouTube because I didn't want extra ads besides what, you know, my sponsors playing on my videos. But I know a lot of people are kind of getting screwed over on YouTube through that monetization uh, process because yeah. they're, they're really hitting people hard for copyright violations and whatnot. Um, and I've noticed that in a lot of the, like the game streamers and stuff, I'm like, man, uh, Aaron and Kingsley need to reach out to these guys and bring them over to float and stream yeah. on float and do this stuff. And so, yeah, blue check marks, um, anybody that's making any kind of content like that. And the other thing is you kind of got to be everywhere. Like it, I'm literally on everything I could find as non-voting Nick, even the Hunter Biden owned parlor. I'm there. I don't use it much. I need to do that more. And that's, <laughs> that's one thing that makes it a little harder. Um, you almost need to hire someone to manage your social media to yeah. post things everywhere. I've been really bad about that, but I need to catch up on it. Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a challenge. I only really do Twitter. I do a little bit of Facebook. I should probably explode out a little bit more, do a little bit more. You're right. I'll look into that. But, uh, anyway, dude, um, yeah, like I said, I wish I wish Gumbo was here because we could laugh at him. But uh, what what else did you want? Is there anything else you wanted to say about about voting and and uh, you know break down um, some of the reasons why it's uh, uh, some more reasons why it's not not advantageous or not a good idea? Well, it's really just a complete waste of time. That's that's what I've settled on, and I yeah. I really can't. Uh, I like people to try to poke holes in in the arguments, so wherever you're listening on whoever show wherever in the comments and whatnot poke holes and why it's useless or why it's not. But the way I see it is you're having all these awesome conversations, even though they may be about whatever candidate um, that's, that's not as awesome. But if you look at people voting about different initiatives, things that they want to pass um, things they want to pay for, don't want to pay for, you have all these awesome conversations and debates leading up to one day where you stand in line or check a box and send it in the mail yeah. And then it's just like, puh, people are done talking about it. Yeah, continue those conversations and have those conversations every day with people and implement those things yourselves. It's, it's very possible. Like you said, it's getting harder and harder to do that in an urban environment. Yeah. Um, I think it's a lot easier in a rural environment. But these are things, these are initiatives uh, and things that you can do and change and not just let it go once you've checked a box and, need, and hope that it does or doesn't happen. Um, you were talking about the slide towards more of a more federal um, co controlled government. Um, I know the word is used way too much now, fascism, yeah. but it's pretty, pretty darn close if you're looking at a, a hyper-powerful federal government controlling everything. I'm all for secession and balkanization. And yeah. I've talked about that a lot with my buddy William Gadsden on Think Liberty. And um, it's, you know, there's, there may have to be con concessions made by anarchists uh, in one form or another. I'm not sure how to kind of get behind those movements to start decentralizing things more so that you have the opportunity to carve out your anarchist area. I think, I think if, if we have an, we have an, a, a way in to the status with what's going on right now with the presidential election, I think most of the status mm -hmm. who are paying attention, you know, whether they're team red, team blue, or some other team color, right? Um, I think they, they're starting to see why decentralization 
should 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 benefit us as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, in the secession movement you were talking about, like, uh, I'm out here in Honolulu, right? I'm out all the way out here in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, like smack dab mm-hmm. in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. There's no reason why the solutions that are on the table in New right. York City would have to would would work necessarily out here in Honolulu. And uh, I've said it before, even on right. this island itself, like I'm on the island of Oahu, Honolulu is a city. But, but you have all this whole surrounding area, particularly on the North Shore, that, uh, that is so very, um, I'll say rural. You know, rural is probably, it's beach. You know, it's mm-hmm. beach rural. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, yeah. you know, like, like surfer beach rural, right? The things that you would do up on the North Shore would not work in, in town and vice versa. Things in town would not work on the North Shore. I think people sure. are starting to see that. And when you have a, when you have a, a nation as diverse as ours, and ultimately the United States is not just one nation. It's, a, it's, it's several nations. Like when you think about cultural, right. uh, you know, you know, cultural values and, and, uh, and, and things that, that work for this group, you know, being from California, the, you know, the Chicano, uh, you know, Latin American group and, and several, and I hate to say it, I don't want to lump everybody together because even, even among that, the, the, the Chicano groups, there's so many different, different, you know, languages and, and cultural nuances that, that, that white bread suburbia from Sacramento, like me, wouldn't even understand, right? And then, you, you know, so that's like sure. several, several nations right there just inside one state, you know, just inside California, you know, and then extrapolate that out across mm-hmm. 51 states plus DC plus the care, you know, all the different territories. There's so many different nations here. Like decentralization yeah. is the only it, way to peacefully coexist with everybody. And, uh, you know, have, having, exactly. I just, I, just, I, I hope the, that, that sooner or later, um, those status that are so, you know, bent on their, on their team winning just so they can be in power. And there's that, there's that trigger word power, at least for me. Um, mm-hmm. You gotta, they, they, there, there's gotta be some value in seeing that maybe a, a secession or secession light diet secession. I don't know. You know what I mean? Something to, something to kind of trend sure. it in that direction yeah. of, of liberty and independence and freedom and real like decentralization. I don't know. But uh, it seems yeah. like when we, when we, well, vote, you know, we, a lot we of that stuff. That. Yeah. A lot of that stuff kind of took off during the Obama administration, uh, you know, cause the right wing wanted to pull out because they didn't like the Obama legislation that was going on. And it became um, a little bit harder of an item for the left once Trump was elected in 2016. Yeah. Uh, people, they started adopting the idea a little more. And then civil war, the idea of civil war started popping up. Well, so that's the middle ish of, of Trump's election. Yeah. So that's like, and that's, this, that's, this is the way to avoid that kind of thing. Absolutely. I was going to say that. Yeah. So, so that's like way down the line. That's when everything else has failed and nobody wants that. That's, that's our, your friends and mine, maybe, I don't know, uh, the, the, you know, the guys that claim to be boogaloo boys and whatnot. And that's kind of a, a funny meme. I think people have taken mm-hmm. it a little bit too far with, with, with what a lot of that stuff, but, um, you saw the spirit in that, and me, you being from Washington probably had a, had a closer look at this. You saw a little bit of the spirit from the left with um, the, uh, the, was it the Chapel Hill Autonomous Zone, right, Chaz? Now, we can mm-hmm. joke about the implementation, right? Like, we all, I'm sure, have opinions on that. But, but the spirit was there to try and, like, like bring something right. together that was a little less you know, uh, outside of the, of the centralized government, right. A little less, um, you know, 
Right. And, and again, you know, the implementation, we can, I'm not talking about details here. I'm talking about the spirit, right? So we saw a little bit of, a little bit of that. And I'm wondering how much of that, how, how long until we see more of that sort of spirit, you know, um, in certain areas? Well, it's, it's interesting because I, I think we're already at the, the kind of start. We're kind of just cresting the hill of civil war. I don't know mm-hmm. that it's avoidable looking at other modern civil conflicts. And it's hard to call it a civil war too, because a lot of people are stuck on the North versus South yeah. two uh, party uh, dichotomy. And it's not that there's a whole lot of different other stuff. If, if the U S was thrown into a civil war, I've talked ad nauseum about it on my show about how it could start, but what it would lead to would be balkanization and different political zones, in my opinion, um, where people would segregate based on how they want to live. And the difference uh, with balkanization and secession, uh, secession being a possible way to avoid a civil yeah. conflict on that scale in the U.S., um, is that it it would be more state controlled and uh, more government controlled than say a balkanization movement because it wouldn't necessarily be political zones. But the the efforts have ramped up because we've wanted to see or uh, people in Texas have wanted to secede as a state. Washington wants to split. Parts of Oregon, Idaho, and Washington oh, yeah. want to become oh, yeah. greater Idaho. Uh, just recently, northern and southern Illinois want to split. Um, and the problem is you got to really look at the people who have been spearheading these movements to begin with. Because the guy that was spearheading the movement here in Washington was an actual self-admitted uh, white supremacist advocate for biblical law. Like biblical law as an Old Testament stone the gaze and crucify people and stuff wow. like that yeah. is not a person you want running a secession movement, but there's a lot to be learned from the people who have started it. And like Northern California, um, I love their flag, their idea for a flag for a secession movement, uh, representing that double cross is great. And, and it, they're a perfect example of what's driving a lot of this. And it's the separation between the urban and the rural environments and the blanket legislation between both areas. You're, you got the urban environments taxing the people, uh, specifically gas taxes, um, the same as they tax people that don't have to drive as far in the urban settings. They tax them the same in the rural settings. And it's, it's, a, real, it's a real mess. And that stuff needs to separate. And if there's going to be government, be governed separately. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just, just, uh, as decentralized as it can get, you know, and, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm glad you brought up the state of Jefferson because I was, uh, I was just thinking about that year too. You're, you're right. You're, you've got parts of California that don't even want to be part of the, the United States anymore. And then large parts of California within California that don't even want to be part of the state of California anymore. And, uh, and I think that's, you're mm-hmm. right. That's, that's kind of spreading, uh, more and more throughout, uh, throughout, I mean, throughout the country you know, throughout the United States. And um, yeah. it should be interesting, right? So uh, as we get into this, we had, I had on um, last week, I talked to, uh, who was it? XRP Darren. I don't know if you're familiar with this stuff, his YouTube channel, Darren Moore Jr. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's, he's, one of, he's one of these XRP crypto guys. And uh, he was, we talked a little bit about the financial reset and wondering how that, if, mm-hmm. if you have any insight on that, what, what, the, what the financial reset might do to further or delay, to, or sorry, advance or delay the secession and decentralization movements around the country. Um, 
just, you know, everything ends up being, everything ends up being economic, right? At some point. And that, that, that we, we came on here to exactly. talk about, we came out here to, we came, came in here to talk about voting. So if you're, <laughs> if you're not prepared to talk about that economic stuff, I get it, man. I'm just, I'll I'm talk just, about everything, as, man. As, yeah, no, as the conversation is <laughs> rolling, I have no shortage of, of ill-informed opinions about everything. So, so, <laughs> so I can, we can, we can talk about anything you want, but uh, yeah. So no, I don't know, man. I just, here. yeah. So, um, the economics of, of what's going on with finances, with the banking system, with currency, and then, of course, the political impact of uh, the you know, social welfare, police state, nanny state, mm-hmm. surveillance state, leave me alone, no, I won't, wear your mask, you know, all that stuff, right? So there's a lot, there's a lot coming well, to you, a head, You can man. sum it up you know? in a couple of things, I think. Yeah, there is. But I think you can sum it up in a couple of things. And, but real quick before that, I got to shout out the Boogaloo Boys because I'm with the Boogaloo Movement. Yeah, good. Um, despite them being deplatformed and the true Boogaloo Movement, which is leave me alone. That's I right. just want to be left alone, not yeah. any of the other stuff behind it. And that's the majority of them. There's outliers, of course. But as far as the economic stuff goes, I think it can be summed up very easily in one meme, and that is money printer go burr. Yeah. And we know money printer go burr is not a good way to run things. That's going to crash everything. And that leads into the second point where it's all economic and it all comes down to comfort. When it crashes and there's no infrastructure uh, allowing supply of basic comforts for 24 to 48 hours, we're in it. That's, yep. that's when things are going to get wild. Yeah. They say, if, they say what full bellies don't revolt. So when those bellies get empty, you mm-hmm. know, that's when the discomfort comes in and then, and then people start making moves to, yep. you know, take care of themselves, which is again, why decentralization and, and secession is so important and, uh, and independence, getting independent, yep. getting as much as you can off of the, uh, the corporate food processing system. There's so many things we could talk about on that. Man, Absolutely. Man. Yeah. 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 There's a ton. Yeah. Well, it's the thing that's concerning um, is I, I read an article with a statement by the guy is a doctor that would be like Biden's coronavirus czar or something like that. Mm. And man, was he interested in talking about how he could fix everything, including the economy through more shutdowns and borrowing money from China for more payouts, for more stimulus and whatnot. I'm like, uh, if you're if you're looking to be a collapsitarian and you voted for Biden, I, you're going to get your wish. Yeah, dude. because that's that's what's going to happen. It's ridiculous. It's just the <laughs> I don't see it going uh, going well, whether it's Biden or Trump, though, because even Trump um, kowtowed to the demands and made the money printers keep printing. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. That's the way they think it's going to work. It's Keynesian economics and it doesn't work that way. No. And there's a, there's what a reset every, you know, every so often. And the, the, and, and this, this time around with the advent of, of a, uh, of a currency system um, that's completely different than anything we've seen in history. It's uh, it's with cryptocurrency and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting to see how it happens and, and what the impact of that is. And uh, those those of us, and I assume you just 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 by talking to you, I assume that you're 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 you've got your own crypto system. You, you know, you got you, you got your own cryptocurrencies that your 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 portfolio or whatever you want to call it. And we're not going to get into that. I don't want to, you know, 
but uh, those of us who who are are <laughs> able to play like that, right? Uh, who are maybe ahead of the game yep. uh, uh, for a lot of the normies, we'll say normies out there. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how how this reset affects all of us differently. You know, um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know, dude. And uh, I like privacy coins. Yeah, myself and gold and silver. But I'm I I I, I kind of th- see things going into an apocalyptic wasteland scenario in which it'll be harder to use uh, crypto. And I know there are ways to do it. Shane Radliff over at the, the Vanu podcast. I think he, I don't know, it's, it's over my head, but there's some way to transfer crypto using radio waves and having your own hardware wallets and stuff like that. I'm like, holy cow. Yeah. If you can find people to trade with that want to do that, should the grid go down, more power to you. I feel like but gold, think, silver. Uh, like you said, you know, decentralization, yeah. diversifying. Yeah. Yeah. That's been my biggest pushback on cryptocurrency. And, you know, I'm like everybody else who's in it. I'm, I'm in it, but I'm, and I'm cautiously optimistic. But man, you know, you have one electromagnetic pulse. You have, you have one thing that knocks out the, uh, the electric grid or something like that. And, and it doesn't matter how, how many Bitcoin you have, dude, because you can't get to it and it doesn't mm-hmm. exist anymore. And uh, that's like the fatal flaw in my mind. And, and, and it might be perfectly fine in, in, you know, this part of the world over here. But in your specific part of the world, sure. uh, where you had that, where you've had a complete electrical grid shutdown, and now nothing works, um, you know, right. it's it's India, dude. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. And that's probably not, a, you know, but it's yeah. it's some third yeah. world country that's unreliable, you know. And uh, you know, might as well be back yeah. to the you know Oregon Trail days. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, if you're gonna rely on on crypto, um, you you really and you're worried about that kind of stuff happening, or even just a solar flare, which does happen. Happens. Um, yeah. You got to get a Faraday bag and a hardware wallet and throw it in there, and um, yeah, you gotta hit up my buddy Damon Land from Voluntary Apothecary and get a a Keep Key crypto wallet, hardware wallet, that kind of stuff. It's small. I throw it right in a right in a Faraday bag if you're worried about that. But like you said, decentralization, you have some crypto, you have some gold and silver, you got some greenbacks, you got some gold backs, you got whatever people are throwing at you. As long as I yep. can spend it, I'll take it. Yep, that's true. Well, that's a good place to stop. What do you think? I don't know. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Yeah, dude. Hey, so um, <laughs> let's, uh, you know, we, we kind of went all over the place, came to talk about voting. Of course, that's a very niche conversation, but I'm, I'm glad that we were able to expand that out into a couple of other things. I probably think we could, we could probably draw this out a lot longer if we wanted to and talk about each little thing, but I don't know if you've got the time for it. I know I'm, I'm, I'm up against it a little bit, but, uh, man, I wish Gumbo was here for this. I think he would have, he yeah. would have, uh, enjoyed the conversation, added a lot to it as well. Um, let's take some time and let you talk about everything you're into uh what what types of projects you got going on with your podcast and and everything else you feel like sharing sure okay sure so uh i'm at beyond the ballot or at beyond ballot pod uh on the you know facebook evil network um at non-voting nick anywhere else you want to find me patreon.com slash beyond the ballot And so what I do is I have a a weekly video and podcast that goes up and I try to do also a weekly short video series that I call beyond the ballot spotlight where I spotlight people who are uh, doing great things for Liberty one way or the other. Um, It doesn't happen every week. I got to get a lot more people coming in. So if you're doing something awesome, let me know and we'll bring you on there. 
Um, I'd like to bring you and Gumbo on the main show. Whenever Gumbo is settled again, that'd be great. We'll have it on the show. But yeah, I just uh, put out content and I don't really talk about a lot that I do outside, um, you know, off camera because I do my thing. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, no, that's like and that's to and that's remain in the black and the gray markets. So perfect. That's great, and that's why Gumbo and I use aliases, man, because we all have you know we got lives, and uh, yeah, you know, there's uh, it's 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 like you know it's okay for people to have differing opinions and whatnot, but uh, the way things are now with cancel culture and whatnot, you you start getting people that you know start beating up on people's source of income. That's not cool. So. Well, man, thanks for coming on the show. Sure. And uh, man, I'm, I'm, I do. And, and for anybody listening here, listen to the beyond the ballot podcast. It's a good show. I enjoy it. I, I, I listen to it myself thanks, and um, it's, it's one of, one of my go-tos. Um, and uh, so I look forward to every new episode you guys, you, 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 you put out and, and I do enjoy the one that uh, where you're spotlighting what people are doing outside of um, outside of the mainstream stuff, man. That's great. I think that's great. And we need more of that. So keep it sure. up. I appreciate it, man. All right. Well, thanks Thank for joining you. us. It was great man. to come on. I enjoyed it. All right, buddy. Well, have a, have a good one, man. Take it easy. All right. You too, brother. All right. Hey, aloha, everybody. Mahalo again for listening to Unshackled Liberty. wanted to take this time to announce that we have moved on from Anchor.fm. We are now self-hosting at unshackledliberty.com. That's basically a hub for our show. So swing by and take a look at the stuff that we have there. If you wanted to support the show through Teespring or Patreon, uh, please do so there. Uh, on behalf of myself and Crypto Gumbo, thank you again for your listenership. We love you. No King but Christ.